So you got a whole uh, alpha team now, don't you? But you, but you have a wealth of knowledge that is beneficial to a lot of people, and it we can move the needle. How often do you hear a hunting podcast? We talked about this. People relate to this. What's going on, everybody? I've got my good longtime friend, Dale Perry, uh, on the mic with me today. Um, I'm going to let Dale introduce himself because he is a, well, he just never stops uh, coming up inventing things, entrepreneur. So thanks for coming on. And yeah, let everybody know kind of what, you, what you're about. Yeah, I, it's always a pleasure to, to get on and talk to Aaron. Um, so, you know, Dale Perry, I was uh, the original uh, designer of, started out with Broadheads, Gravedigger Broadheads, and uh, now own Evolution Outdoors, um, which is a Jekyll and Hyde. Back when I owned No Limit Archery, I designed a release um, called the Ringer release. It was shot with your ring finger. And so today we're uh, going to talk about what we have coming out new. So with that, actually, the the release I got to shoot uh, just a couple days ago when I was at the Utah Tech, and then the broadheads I've shot quite a bit uh, more the mechanical with the Jekyll and Hyde. One's a fixed blade, one's a mechanical. Um, I've had really good luck. I have not shot the fixed nearly as much as the mechanical, but but really good broadheads. So I, I, I want to come back to those. I don't want to skip over those too much. Um, but let, yeah, we'll talk about the, you know, the release and, and your, you know, kind of your background. You went over that pretty quickly. Um, I was shooting those broadheads. I guess that would have been in 2017, uh, in 2015, no, I guess what in 14, 15 yeah, in 2014. And, yeah. Yeah. And 17, I, I did, um, yeah. Cause I went back to the compound and, and gritty was shooting those as well. In fact, he killed his bull in 17 with those. Um, and then, yeah, and I think it was 13 and 14 cause Phil shot his sheep with those. Um, and I don't know, we can edit this out if we need to. Um, they kind of went to shit after you sold the, <laughs> the company, the, the you, quality. You didn't. do not have to edit that out because okay. they absolutely went to shit when I sold the company. <laughs> yeah. The, the quality kind of went downhill. Blades started breaking pretty easy. And then, you know, just not like the sharpness kind of went downhill. And I, I didn't know where you were at with that, but, um, that's why I don't shoot those anymore. You can still get them, but they're, 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 they're kind of shitty. Um, great head, but, but, you know, now they're quality has gone down. So you came out with the, um, Jekyll and Hyde, obviously. And, and those were great. Talk about that broadhead real quick before we go on to the release. So everything I learned, um, in designing the, uh, Gravedigger and consequently the Night Fury, which was just the pure mechanical, um, what we learned was blade angle was super important. Um, and, structure uh everybody all my barrels are made um in the beginning at up at aae in prescott here in arizona and um that got we got away from that when i sold the company and then i'm back to that and the quality that that nick fisher does is just beyond belief and in veins and everything he makes but um so i've incorporated everything that i learned more consistent blade opening better blade angle, thicker blades, sharpened all the way around. Um, just stuff that, you know, at the end of the day, 
you know, everybody always asks, you know, how do they fly? You know, we were attacking, we had an 80 yard, we told people screw them on and shoot them. And not one person, everybody was just shocked at how well they fly. And, um, but yeah, all those changes and everything that we've done, we just, <laughs> I want to put it on our website. We just kill shit, you know? Yeah. Um, and, and that's just the end of the day. Um, they're designed to kill stuff and they're, you know, like I've always said, broadheads are about your bad shots, not your good shots. And, uh, they save a lot of people's asses. Yeah. And so with the, um, just a little bit more in depth with how that system works because the Jekyll can become the hide and vice versa. Um, and you know, with the, the closure is very unique on how the blades close and open, uh, on the mechanical version. Talk about that a little bit. So in, in, the and, and everything always reverts back to our original head, but the, the Gravedigger had a locking system that had bumps and it was really touchy. You could over tighten it or under tighten it. It would rattle loose. And I wanted that to go away. So I devised a system to um, have the bottom of the blades are curved. So there's a hole at the bottom um, below the blades where they, where they lock into the ferrule and Nick developed a polymer pin and I use polymer. I don't even know what, compound it is we went through about 20 iterations of it but and it presses in there and it pushes up against the bottom of the blades and that's what holds them into place well by taking the bumps out of the blades we could be super precise on the thickness of the blades uh where bumps the bumps would vary and so uh originally i was just going to make the hides just the mechanical that's what we had before um, but as we were playing with it, I noticed our slot is super consistent. It's, you know, it's exactly 61,000 thick and, um, I could put a fixed blade in there and it flew, flew the same. So aerodynamically, they're exactly the same. And so I, buddy of mine's an aerospace engineer and I said, Hey, run this through a wind tunnel and see what it says. And they were exact. And so this has now allowed us to have one ferrule super consistent locking system for any mechanical blades. And now we've come out with a white tail fury blade, which is basically a two and three eighths cut white, you know, blades. We have a Turkey wrecker blade that only deploys to 80, you know, 80 degrees. So it transfers all the energy and you can use one ferrule and shoot a fixed, a mechanical, a wider cut mechanical, a Turkey head, a dangerous game, which is a heavier blade. So uh, it's really a, super cool modular system that all flies the same. I shot a turkey at 62 yards. So um, they, they fly perfect. Gotcha. Yeah. And they do fly really well. I, I haven't, um, I mean, I always bring your, you know, when people ask, cause I, I shoot um, severs, I, I got to deal with Easton, but I, I've shot, um, I'm trying to think probably, I'd say probably 30 animals, maybe a little bit more now with whitetails, probably a little more than that. Oh. Um, with pigs and shit. Um, yeah, thinking about it <laughs> quite a bit, but, uh, the, the flight of those, when I went, you know, when you talk about this, even mechanicals at long distance will have some wind drag issues. They certainly don't always fly like field points. If the consistency or concentricity is not there, meaning when you screw them on and spin them, you know, at longer distances, you can, you know, notice that, um, and the, the fixed blades are, 
really good. I mean, the fixed blades are actually more impressive than the mechanicals in the sense it is a fixed blade as far as point of aim, point of impact compared to field tips. But um, the, the fixed blades are obviously fixed. And so when I say they're better, they are not better in the sense of you do have to make sure their your bow is tuned a little bit better compared to the mechanical, but comparable to other fixed blade broadheads, you can get away with quite a bit with 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 those the the Jekyll on the hide, mechanicals always fly better or usually fly better. Obviously, in a fixed, um, <laughs> there uh, some some there's some shit broadheads out there. I will say that, but uh, you know, yeah, out to a hundred. You know, I mean, generally, like there's there's still going to be potential problems with a mechanical. Never had any issues with yours. They're super accurate. So, yeah, no, I I appreciate that and. You know, I live in Arizona, and if you can't shoot sixty yards with your with your setup, you don't get to kill anything anyway. Yeah, and that's no shit. And I mean, I there's occasionally you'll get a shorter shot than that, but um, definitely at times you got to reach out and touch them. And good devastation um, on the broadheads. And and obviously, I've got you on the podcast. People know I try and test out everything. Um, I got no dog in the fight. You don't pay me. I, I actually shoot another. I have a, a deal with Easton. So when I'm saying this, people know you should know I'm not full of shit. They fucking do damage. Uh, I, I will say that. Like they do leave a, a devastating hole. And the, and the cool thing is obviously it is a hybrid. So you get the best of both worlds on the mechanical side. Yeah. And, and one of the changes that we made was making that front blade 60,000 thick and sharpening it all the way around. So if you don't get a clean pass through, it's cutting on its way back out, but it can handle an impact. I mean, how I test broadheads and again, they don't, it's not like you need to shoot them the second time, but I, I basically shoot them into a block wall and they have to survive that impact and not break. And, and they may bend, you know, but they're not going to, uh, to break in any way. And, and with our 125s and 150s and uh, our new glue-in points that we're coming out with, um, they're all 416 hardened steel. They won't even bend. You know, they're they're just super, super strong. Yeah, and I think, uh, you know, when people um, – I say, I say this because – you do. It is a. It it. You do have to jack with them. There is. It's not a rubber band, right? You don't just slap a rubber band around it. So, I will say the first time I swapped out the little polymer peg, I was about to punch a baby in the face. But by the second and third one, it gets a lot easier. So it does take. It's a little tricky, and you probably can do it in two seconds. But the first time I did it, it took a little bit of screwing around. But once you get the hang of it, it is, it is super quick to change out that little, I say peg, but whatever it is. Yeah. Yeah. Polymer pin peg. It, it's the, uh, it is, it is, uh, you know, and, and one of the things that we've done uh, with the new glue ends and we went back to the hundred grains, we haven't gotten through all our inventory of the one twenty fives yet, but we drilled that hole out to uh, from a four forty set screw to a 632 set screw which makes it way easier to take that pin out um because what was happening that pin was getting caught on the threads because you you smash it when they open and it makes it bigger so then you know we had it originally where it just slid in inside the thread so now we've drilled those out the new heads all have that and uh, they're super easy to pop out gotcha 
Well, cool. Let's move on to the release. That was the, the <coughs> actually the real reason you're supposed to be on the podcast, but I didn't want to skip over the broadhead. So you had told me about this release pretty much sounded too good to be true. Uh, so I, I didn't think Dale was full of shit, but when it's your design, it always seems better in your mind than it, <laughs> or at least that is how it works for me. Right. So you got to see this, right. Uh, Cause it's my heart and soul's into it. And so you said, Hey, are you going to be at Utah attack? I'm going to have that release. And I'm like, yeah, yeah, I'll be, I'll be down there. So tell everyone about this release. Uh, and I'll kind of dive in when applicable, like the pros and cons to compare it compared to it to like a standard hinge or a half moon type hinge. Yeah. So, um, like I said, way back when I, I've, I've, uh, I had target panic, which went back to, you know, shooting and designing the ringer release, um, which was kind of a hook style release. And then, um, since then I've really shot a hinge for most of my hunting career and, and stuff. And, but I wanted something that was lock onto a string. If I was in a stand or, you know, something a little bit different. And what I developed was bringing the sear down to the middle of the handle. So, um, most people shoot a hinge, we'll say incorrectly. Um, they actually turn it versus, you know, pull through it. And, um, so doing that, I'm like, well, let's just make something that, that everybody does anyway. And so I came up with this concept, didn't know if it would ever work. Um, learned since the beginning of January. Yeah. January learned how to do CAD programs. I bought a 3d printer and a CNC machine, a small desktop one, um, with a lot of questions, a lot of YouTube videos. I went through, uh, I think we are on getting ready to do our tier one prototypes, which are production prototypes. And we are on version 14. <laughs> so, uh, <laughs> so, so did a lot of 3D printer. I got a lot of stuff in the trash, messed up a lot of CNC machine stuff. And um, basically came up with a, with a hinge that pivots in your hand, pivots in the middle of your hand. Um, so it's in the middle of the handle. The lock is lockable. So the hook locks um, kind of like a caliper style release, but just one side of the hook. Um, <clears throat> and you can and leave it on. You can, It's got a two... Uh, two-stage sear so you can adjust your speed from the click um and when we first made it uh i, I like you was like gosh this looks good on paper but let's see if this actually works and um then we uh we did we we made some adjustments after the first one and and now i say first one we were probably at 12 or 13 but uh, we made some adjustments. It has an adjustable uh, ring finger position. It's um, one of the other features that nobody has and no, no hinge in the world can do is once you get to the click, you can actually turn the handle and back and reset it back over the click. So to make it easier to let down, um, so yeah, that's, that's where we're at right now. It's super exciting. Yeah. And it's, it's interesting. Cause, uh, when I say intro, I've shot a hinge for 
ever for a long time. And, you know, there's, you know, there's multiple different, I don't know, you might know, I don't know how many different style of hinges are on the market right now, but no, I, I don't have enough so fingers many. and toes. Yeah. Um, right. You know, so the, the two things for me is I don't like a really, what I call, would call a shank or the, the, you know, the, the, the portion that goes between your index middle finger and your middle finger. I don't really like oh, okay. that really long, right? I want that shorter, closer to my face. And you got that, uh, you know, that's a port, mm -hmm. that's part that I like. Um, not just because I found accuracy is better when that happens, but also I don't want to shorten my draw length because, you know, the release is longer than hell. Um, and then, you know, after the hinge, the click being loud is, um, a potential problem, as not much as much on Western animals, but ground line, cues deer, whitetail tree stand, they will come undone with some as loud as some of the clicks are. Yours is not even really audible. I mean, it is, I guess, but like it's not a loud click. It just, well, talk about you it. You feel it. Yeah. Y yeah. It's more of a, it's more of a vibration when it, when it does, you, you feel it in your hand. Um, it doesn't click and, and to be honest with you, I think it's the material we're using, um, that makes it so it's not super loud. Um, the other side of that coin is because we have a hook and the hook, you know, has to run down from where you hook, hook your D loop on down to the sear. It's longer. It's not as direct as every other hinge that's on the very top. So, uh, I think that pressure isn't as great um on the sear which has given us better life too um so i think that's why it doesn't click it's not super audible you can hear it but you you can hear it if you're standing next to it you can't hear it you know you can hear it because it's right next to your ear full draw um but uh yeah otherwise it's just more you can feel it than it is audible yeah, which is obviously I, I have taken on my standard hinges, really fine sandpaper and dust them down, uh, which you can fuck your release up really quick doing that. You can dust your click right off. <laughs> I was going to say, <laughs> there's not a lot of manufacturers that would recommend that, N but. No, you can dust the click off like you will. So you have to like hit yeah. it, check it, hit it, check it. Um, and again, I don't, Western hunting, it hasn't ever been an issue. The only time it has been an issue and I. I haven't hunted coos deer from a ground blind. I'm just assuming they're cracked out because I have hunted them on the ground. But like cracked out Mississippi, Missouri, maybe not Missouri, Mississippi, Alabama, like southern whitetails, um, you know, they'll jump out of oh, their South skin. South Dakota is the same, or South Carolina the same way. Yeah. They're, they're super skittish. Yeah. yeah. So that part you took care of. And then the other part is I, I've shot a, a release, a, a hinge for so long. You have as well. I'll let down on the click. It doesn't bother me, but that will make someone shit their pants having to let down on the click. And when I say that you're in your shot, you're executing click and then gust of wind happens. I don't know. Fly hits the back of your head and you go to let down. People will shit their pants from that. They do not like that. Where with yours, you actually have the warm and fuzzy feeling. You can feel the bump popping back over. Yeah. And and that has to do with the with the shape of of the bottom of the hook, and because it's not a regular hinge, because your hook is at the very end of the release, and so is your shear, 
there's no way to put pressure back on it. You could round the back of, of that hook, but it won't roll over because there's no, there's no way for you to put pressure on the sear. This, because it hinges in the middle of the release, I can put pressure on the, here, on the sear and the back of the hook is rounded and it just rolls it back over the sear. So that's one of the items we have patented on it. And so, so, uh, you, well, I already know this, but you can adjust the speed of this. So like I shoot a super hot release, meaning, you know, I draw index finger touching my thumb and I have my hand rotated really far forward. Yours was a little bit slower. I'm assuming obviously a bunch of people were trying it out. You didn't want anybody to break their face. Um, you can adjust that though, just like any release to be hotter or colder. You can adjust it. Um, one of the things that you end up being is you can you really draw the release more flat, more like you would shoot a thumb trigger because um, the uh, the fulcrum point where you have to put pressure, so you're right-handed, so you would have to pull it to the right. So it has to put pressure going left towards your left side on the neck of the release because that's what moves. The neck of the release moves. So when the D loops puts pressure on that, um, you then it starts to open because the neck pivots and then that's what releases the hook. Um, so it, I don't. You can only get it so hot, but once you get it hot, you can always adjust the the speed of the click with the second sear. Um, and so yeah, that's an adjustment that I kind of made it it ends up being um, more so once you get used to just drawing it back a little bit flatter. Gotcha. And it wasn't bad when I shot it. I mean, when I say that I draw with my hand super far, you know, forward and you're I, in, yeah, your pinky finger forward. Yeah. Yeah, exactly. My pinky finger yeah. forward. Um, and it wasn't too bad. I mean, it was slower than I normally have, you know, that I, then I shoot. Um, but it wasn't uncomfortable. And I will say like, I shoot a Scott Longhorn micro now, and my anchor point was basically the same. There was no adjustment there to give people an idea. And my point of impact was, I mean, we were shooting in wind at, what was it? 95 <laughs> yards, I think. So yeah, 93 yards. Yeah. And I was in the 10 ring four out of five arrows or whatever the hell it was. So, I mean, yeah, you know, it's close enough. Um, especially with a new, you know, new release and everything else. So, um, when, when do you think you'll have these available? I know you talked to you on your 14th prototype, but when do you think people are going to be able to purchase these? Um, we are still going through testing. So we have, uh, probably 3000 shots through this release to make sure we're not getting any, you know, unusual wear. Which for the average bow hunter, they will never shoot in their whole entire life. Um, but you know, target archers are, are have been interested in using them, and they shoot you know ten thousand arrows every three months or whatever it is. So we're running through that. Uh, like I said, we will start tier one prototypes next week. So I'm looking at um, a month from now. So beginning of September. That's it. So that's, we will good. have production production versions. Yes. No, that'll be cool. And then, uh, are you going to just do one standard color, uh, one standard size? No, 
we're gonna we're gonna do um, the neck is steel, so that'll be um, row bar coated, the same coating they use on AR bolts, um, so it won't have any rust issues or anything like that. Uh, the bodies will be you can either order them in brass or you can do uh, anodized aluminum, and I think we're gonna do the OD green and desert tan. We're not gonna do like pretty colors. So uh, I think those are the two that we're going to run with. And um, then size-wise, we'll, we have two. We'll have one that's a little bit bigger and one that's a little bit smaller. But we can only do so small because of the whole sear system in the body of the release. Gotcha. And I would say, though, I don't know what size the one I had was, but I don't have giant hands and it was, it was comfortable. Uh, I would say I have average hands. So, and it was, it was super comfortable. Um, you know, and I don't, I, you know, I, I would say two sizes has got to be, I don't know if you've run numbers, got to fit 98% of the planet unless you, uh, yeah, it, it really does. It really does. Yeah. Hand of Benjamin button, but yeah. Um, I, you know, whatever. <laughs> Remember that actually on Deadpool when, uh, yep. he's hand cut <laughs> off and it grows <laughs> That kind of hand. Um, <laughs> so, uh, you're, so you're thinking September. I would imagine that's best case scenario. I don't know when you're wanting me. Best to... case scenario, October would be. We will definitely have them for Vegas, you know. Uh, but we're, you know, we're at. We've done all the testing, and we are at where we want to be. Um, so, uh, um, like I said, we got back from TAC. Nick and I actually traveled together and. So we're looking at next week um, starting the machining and and his guys machine these stuff so fast they're, they're so good when I do it it's it's like an, a freaking clusterfuck um, but hey I've learned to learn you know to machine stuff in six months so there you go <laughs> um, <laughs> I can make my own prototypes which is really which is just game changing you know because prototypes cost so much money and they. They take so long and your you know, shops don't want to do them because the setup so much and, and to have a small CNC machine, um, it's, it's really, really cool to be able to do it. Yeah, no, no, it's awesome. And I'm excited about the release and I don't get, um, you know, I don't want to say a hinge is a hinge, but if it fits your hand and I've, I've, when you were talking about like the placement of the. I guess you would say the neck of the release uh, and the the header of the, the release. There is one release that hinge that's come out recently that um, because of the position of the, the the neck and the head over the top and almost behind your middle finger, it takes a lot mm -hmm. more for that to go off in comparison to one that does not line up that way. You know, for me, I don't, like that with that huge, crazy swept back, uh, neck, um, just because of how I've gotten used to shooting a release. Now that doesn't mean I shot one for a while. The one I'm talking about, it shot fine. Um, but you know, for the, for the most part, like anybody looking at getting, uh, one of these releases, I would say that the two primary things, if you already shoot a hinge is the noise. That's, that's the big one. Uh, and then the second one being you can more or less recock it when you go to let down. Those are the two, you know, big ones. So, you know, you're going to have people that have never shot a hinge that that's a big seller for. Um, and then people that already have shot one that are listening to this saying, why would I, you know, shoot this? 
noise and letting it down and having that warm and fuzzy that you've bounced back over the click on a letdown. Now, after shooting a hinge for a long time, that's not as big of a deal. Keep in mind, I do Q&As and get photos. For those sending arrows to Jesus, the first month of shooting a hinge and breaking their face, it's a big <laughs> yes, fucking deal. Yes, you do. Yeah, yeah, it is a big deal. It, it is huge, you know. Um, yeah, some of the, I mean, a couple other features that we've done. We done we did a non-integrated thumb peg. In other words, you can take the whole thumb peg attachment off, so it's nice and smooth on the back, um, and and that's real cool. Um, I don't shoot it with a thumb peg um, at all, so that attachment is not on my release. Um, when you're hunting. If you're out west and, and you're not worried about clipping it on your string, we have an attachment that does the same thing. You take one of the handles out of the one of the screws out of the handle, slide a lanyard connection in, put that screw back in, and you can hook it up to a wrist strap as a lanyard. Um, so you're carrying it around with you, or you can shoot it with a thumb peg or not a thumb peg by itself. Hook it on your string if you're in a tree stand or ground blind and leave it there. So uh, it, it's got every feature that we've tried to incorporate, you know, that everybody always asks for. I know people that shoot other releases and it's like, God, I wish I could put a lanyard on it or, you know, that don't have a connection point for that. Yeah. And those things are important. I, I will say I generally like I have a peg on the releases I shoot now where that actually is a problem for me is I keep my release in my pocket all the time. Um, and that peg sucks balls rubbing into your leg, um, you know, so it doesn't always sit. Yeah, then you're trying to get it out of your pocket. Yeah, and I mean, the thing is, is like when it's towards your leg, it's in the, the direction of uh, your hand, meaning I'm right-handed. For me to reach in, grab it, and pull it out ready to roll, that peg has to be buried into my my leg. Now, the way that I shoot my hinge now with my pinky really far forward, that peg is is helpful. The way that your release draws back and how that functions and performs, that peg for me is not needed, which is a bigger deal than most people would probably think because I actually have a scar on my leg from hiking with a fucking peg jamming in my quad all the time. So, because I've seen, yeah, you know, you do this long enough, right? I've clients right. myself my wife you lose shit like people will put releases half hanging out of their pocket which i get in their bino harness i have videos showing people how it fits in i am so paranoid about that it does not leave my front right pocket and i have a backup either in my uh like accessory pouch on my harness or in my pack well right i still have a fucking Always. peg sticking in Always. my leg yeah yeah but i still you know <laughs> so this is a bigger deal and people may ask so well okay what why does it matter that the release you're shooting um why don't you just slow it down in comparison to like your release where you're talking about dale of the 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 hinge um and i'm probably not going to explain this totally correct but the way that dale's release adjusts has two different adjustments meaning where the head pivots and then how quick it comes off the, the click i guess you would say am i does that make any sense am i explaining that correctly yeah, I mean, where you where you start to put pressure on on the um, on the neck, we'll say the the off side of the hook, that's when the neck starts to pull away. And what that does is it pulls the hook forward and over the sears. So 
you know, we have two sears. We have a sear that locks it and then the, the click. So you can adjust how much, once it gets to the click, how much sear you have left. Yes. So it has two sears in it. But because it's geometry, I mean, there's only a certain amount. Once you put pressure on the neck, um, it will start to pull, create leverage to pull that neck open. Um, it's a little bit flatter than a, than a normal hinge. So you don't have to crank it over with your pinky forward. You can pull it more flat like most people pull back a thumb release, a little bit flatter. You still rotate it up to your chin. And we've done videos between the two. And what really happens is it was almost identical. Even though it felt different, it was almost identical to where it went off when I shot my hinge and shot you know, um, this, I have a Scott Longhorn too. And so, um, when I developed this, I wanted them to be pretty close to the same and, and you almost had the exact same impact point, um, between the two and, and I do too. And, um, so the consistency was there, but it really is more of a feeling. Um, it took me 30 shots and it's like, okay, I can, I can draw this back a little bit flatter than I can my hinge. Because you can feel it start to move, where a hinge you cannot, and that, a standard hinge you cannot. Yeah, you're doing a better job. I'm glad I had you take this over for me because, one, shooting a hinge for 20-plus years one way, you kind of get used to that specific movement because of how that hinge operates. And I, um, you, they have double sear, uh, you know, hinges that you can have the click, mm -hmm. you know, whatever, a, a, a more aggressive right. click or less. Um you know, and, and also, you know, when, when that does, when it, when the, that click starts, um, I think, you know, obviously people trying this, it will make more sense. But if you're going from like a thumb button occasionally, um, you know, to a hinge, it is awkward if you draw that hinge back pinky forward, cause you don't do that with a thumb button. You look goofy, right? You just draw it back flat, which actually gives you better alignment in a lot of ways, less, potentially less forearm pressure. Um, you know, so those things all kind of came into play in my mind when I was shooting this because I drew it back super far forward, kind of sped up the rotation. And and when we're talking about these movements, they are micro movements. When we're talking about Dale saying, oh, you can you can uh, draw it with your hand flatter. You know, what are, we're talking about, I don't know, an eighth of an inch of – like it's not – much like it would be no it's probably yeah no more than that it, it no imp imperceptible that, yeah. probably it's, on a photo and film like you wouldn't really be able to yeah tell, i don't it, think it's really really yeah it really is a different and and if you shoot somebody else's release somebody you know is gonna say well your release is hot or your release is cold and it it really isn't it's just where you draw what your draw cycle is where you're putting your hand um, a lot of people do draw a hinge release flatter than um, other people do because nobody wants to draw it and punch themselves in the face. So they put as much pressure with their pinky finger forward. So they don't do that. And I was just taught that way. Tony Klim, uh, who's a tournament archer, a really good friend, 20 some years ago, was shooting like a Carter Colby two finger hotter than. I mean, the fucking gates of hell. And I, it scared the shit out of me when I first started to shoot one. But that's how I, I learned. And initially with a two-finger, I think it was a Colby or, man, that was a long time okay. ago. 
that sound right? Carter Colby? I think that's right. Yeah. Yeah. This is Randy Omer days where he had 17 in his release pouch, you know, like a long time ago. Um, Yeah. Yeah. When he had a whole bunch of them in his release pouch, different things on them. Yeah. Yep. Yep. Um, And so. Click some didn't. Yeah. Oh yeah. He had a bag of tricks in there. Um, You know, so that's kind of how I learned, but I, you know, I will say like in a hunting situation, um, unless you're really used to that. And I just did a post about shooting a hinge hunting. I am a huge fan of it. You know, and people will say, well, I had people on the post say you can punch a hinge just as easy as a trigger, which is hundred percent true. The thing is, is everyone's brains work differently. And the majority of people that shoot a hinge and the way they're and some brain doctor, Joel Turner could probably explain this way better than me. The way that my brain works is with that hinge and that click um, is it, it keeps me under control, right? I'm probably weak minded. I don't know. And that I never punch a hinge. I will break a fucking barrel off a thumb button and bend an index finger over time. (laughs) Guaranteed. And it sounds like your brain, it works the exact same way for the most part. It really does. I mean, it, it really, you know, um, the, the click is okay. You're there. Let's, let's make this happen. You know, it's, it's time to focus is what, is what the click does for me. Um, you know, it's like, okay, you're, you're on, you're ready, you know, wait for it to happen. And, and it does. So I, I don't, you know, punch a click or punch a hinge, but, um, yeah, I'm with the index finger. I can shoot it now. Cause I've, I've worked through the whole, you know, target panic thing, but man, I can hammer it too. I was just say, I can make it so. look good for a few shots. Uh, yeah, I know well, I can too. Yeah, I can too. If I'm in the backyard, I, I can make it look like, wow, this guy really got it figured out. Yeah. And my mind's going, oh, fuck, oh, fuck, oh, fuck. Don't do it, you know, uh, the whole time. So. Well, and I was talking to Joel Maxfield at the South Dakota Tech about this because he shoots a hinge all the time and then hunts with a puncher. And the way, and he said, he was like, I can shoot a puncher for a while. And in hunting season, I'm firing less shots and then I'll, you know, operate it correctly. But after a while, it's going downhill. And that's the thing with me is I might shoot better groups at time with an index finger release. But over time, it goes downhill. And I'm liable to wing one in the ass cheek or something. I mean, I, you know, it happens, right? You get a little ginchy on the track. Right. I don't get that with a hinge. So I just, the way my brain works and I'll probably get Joel on here to talk about that at some point. Cause it is truly, if you haven't really d- went down the deep dive of releases, which you, you have, everyone's brain works differently and everyone needs to probably, or, or, or is going to prefer a different style. The, for the most part though, what would you say? 80, 90% don't even operate an index finger what I would consider correctly. Um, you know, it's the Pearl Harbor and the shit out of it. They're just hammering it. Yeah. Yeah. And, and I mean, all releases, you know, that's, you know, when people talk about a back tension release, I mean, it's really a hinge. Every release should be shot with back tension. You should wrap your hand around, you know, your index finger around the trigger and then just pull through it with your back you should, you know, take a thumb release and lock it against your chin and pull the release like a hinge. 
into the thumb. You're not supposed to press the thumb trigger. You're supposed to pull the release to the thumb trigger. Um, so uh, everything should be shot that way. Like you said, at least 80% of the people do not do that. Yeah. And I mean, if you look at, like, if you listen to Tim, uh, Tim Gillingham, he hottest trigger you can and, you know, whatever. And it's just, I <laughs> that's mean, a different, that's a whole different story with Gillingham. <laughs> well, it's just like that works for him, but you know, uh-huh. as a whole, for the most part, that's going to get people in trouble more than most often, more than most likely doing that. And when I say that, you're going to start holding low. You can't get your pin to the, t- I mean, it's, it's a nightmare. I mean, I've had people, I had a buddy I was helping on a goat hunt and when he would lower the pin down, I don't give a shit if it was 20, 40, 30, whatever distance. The moment he saw hair in that fucking housing, he was letting it rip <laughs> and <laughs> like eight feet over its back. And I'm like, dude, you, you got problems. And, and that's, I had talked to him about, I'm like, you might want to try a hinge uh, you know, the way that your brain works, start up closely, if, right. if, you know, and, and, and again, what you've designed fixes the majority of problems that I hear people come to me with about the hinge, the noise and relocking it or recocking it on the letdown. So, right. Yeah. I, uh, when I had target panic, I, I was a, like that. I was a drive by shooter. As soon as the pin got to where it was, it was going off. Doesn't matter where it was. <laughs> I wasn't freeze above or freeze below. I was I was a drive by. I mean, that pin would come across the dot or come across the animal and be like, "Okay, good, go bye." Yep. You know, and the uh, the hinge has really let me settle down, talk myself through it, and um, you know, having target panic is is no different than I would suspect being an alcoholic. You always have it. You just have to you know tell yourself it's there. Just know it's there. You know. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Yeah. And I mean, you know, when you once you have it, it, uh, you know, you, you know, you don't ever want it again. I, I mean, it, it can end careers. It'll make people shoot left handed. Um, I mean, it'll make yeah. yeah people. Do I know some, people have done it. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Yeah. And the yeah. thing is, is like everyone has their own special sauce or way to fix it. Some of it might be. I don't know, go study Buddhism or Buddha or whatever, or some people, whatever. And, <laughs> you know, for me, it was just a matter. I went to the hinge, whatever made yeah. that happen, fixed it. Now how my brain works. Cause I've done it, done something different, maybe, but the hinge is what fixed it. And you, there's, there's a lot of really good shooter, Levi Morgan. I mean, he shoots the same basic setup for the most part um, when he hunts at Longhorn and a click and, and shoots tournaments back and forth with that as well. But um yeah, either way. Um, man, is there anything else you want to touch on? We're getting close to 45 minutes here. Okay. Uh, well, yeah, I mean, there is with this release because of the style it, sh- it shoots, and, and you dealt with this um, because you said you had fat fingers and all that stuff. So when you lock it on a string, um, there is a, a little bit of a learning curve to that. Um, I I actually – because you have to close the hook and then push it back over the, over the sear. It's more of a rocking motion. Um, I noticed people that shoot hinges, um, get it pretty quick. I mean, a couple tries and they, they get it figured out. Um, or you can just grab the hook and, and close it and the, the handle will spring back into place. But that's, 
probably one of the learning curves on this release uh, comparative. I've had a lot of people that have never shot a hinge before shoot it, and it takes them a little bit longer because they're not used to hooking something on and then making sure they don't pull with their ring finger or pinky finger. So, um, but yeah, for, for that, that's, that's the one learning curve process. Yeah. And I don't, uh, I don't know when you handed it to me, you were showing me how you do it, which I'm just like a fucking monkey with a Rubik's cube. It wasn't happening. So I did it a different way. I'm like, <laughs> well, it's going to do this for, you know, I messed with it though. Yeah. You, you, you know, you showed me and in, I don't know, 30 seconds. I'm like, well, I'm not doing it yeah, that yeah, way. Yeah. I'm doing it this way. Yep. Yep. And, and we'll put videos out and how we do it and how other people do it. And, and all that stuff, but I've, uh, we're pretty excited about it. I've broken my hand. I should add that uh, context to this. Uh, both my uh, middle finger, my metacarpal, I guess, or whatever. Uh, I've broken both those bones. Oh, okay. So dexterity sh- shit. So you're showing me how you do it, and I'm like, hmm, yeah, not happening, dude. <laughs> so not happening. I'd uh, like to give context to this, if you can imagine, on the head, if you, if you have a a longhorn, let's say the way that I did mine, cause you could hold it in your hand, like you were going to shoot it and engage it. What I had to do is basically bring my thumb up and my index finger and squeeze it on the D loop a lot like a thumb button. A lot of thumb buttons are the same way where you click Correct. the hook over. So for me, when you were showing me, it would be like me doing the Vulcan, you know, live long. And I can't do that, right? My fingers don't do that shit. So I can't do live long and prosper and make the V. So I was just immediately squeeze my thumb to my index finger. And I don't know, I had it figured out in, I don't yeah. know, two minutes or right something. On. Yeah, it was not not a problem. And then I was, yeah. you know, for me, I always hunting. Okay, how's this going to happen on my follow-up shot? Usually that's when everything goes to shit. And it's no different than it to me. It's no different than the thumb button style, moving a, a, a hook over or engaging that hook on your D loop. I would just literally take the first shot and then I would wrap my index on the other side, my thumb on you know, the opposite side, squeeze it, and then just drop my hand yeah. back down. Right. Right. And you could hook it back on your string and then get your arrow. Yeah. I mean, it, it, it's, it's, which is the advantage because it can get out of your way. You don't have to put it back in your pocket. You don't have to put it somewhere or hold it in your hand and try to knock an arrow. You can clip it on, knock your arrow and go, um, which is a huge advantage. That's what I've noticed with it. Oh yeah. It, it yeah, it, that is a big advantage. And again, I think like anything, uh, you know, give it an hour, people will have it be comfortable with it. You know what It's not one oh, of yeah. those yeah. things where it may take, uh, you, you know, we like shooting a recurve, not going to take an hour yeah, to figure 10 that out. Shots right? you're in. Yeah. Yeah. You're good to yeah. go. 10 it's shots pretty, you got to figure it out. Yeah. hundred percent. Yeah. So, um, so website, everything like that, where people can find, you know, the, the release broadheads when that's out and everything else. Evolutionoutdoors.com with an S. Um, Everything's there. The release should be on there um, soon, hopefully. I don't know. Um, we've had people ask, you know, that have seen it. Uh, we're going to do pre-orders, so we get kind of an idea because a good friend of mine sells a bino harness, and they sold the whole shit ton of them before they had them all ready. Yeah, that guy <laughs> fucked up. Yeah. 
(laughs) (laughs) And so, uh, but um, yeah, we should have it up there uh, pre-September, hopefully in August. And then, like I said, with the broadheads, all the screw-ins are in stock ready to go and the glue-ins will be up uh, for the 166 arrows um, in the next week. Cool. Right on. Well, yeah, I, I, I strongly suggest for people that shoot a hinge to look at this, but also people looking at getting a hinge and hunting with one. And it was actually coincidence. I just did that, you know, post because I did. That's a question I get asked uh, a, a ton. Like, yeah, a lot you just of, did it you know. from tack, right? Yeah. 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 I just, uh, yeah. you know, I know it's a steep angle. The wind was blowing, you know, all the shit people worried about. And, and out of all the comments on that, which were substantial, one guy had said, I lost an elk. It is very steep uphill angle, which makes total sense, especially when you draw your hand really far forward because um, mm-hmm. the body position, angle, everything else, it's harder to get a hinge to go off uphill. Well, he had said he had never practiced at that angle. Made total sense, um, you know, and, you know, whatever he lost, you know, the, he didn't get the bullet, he didn't get the shot off. I will say I have never had that problem because I will reef that motherfucker off to get it to go. Like if it's not yeah. going, I will <laughs> speed it up. But um you know, with this release and, and the way that you can draw it back and everything else, I think it'll be actually a, a, a positive rather than a negative compared to a standard hinge on up and downhill shots. Uh, downhill, the release goes off generally easier on a hinge where you have that warm and fuzzy. Right, you're, stretching, you're stretching it out. Yep, yeah. Yeah, exactly. So, yeah. Yeah. Well, cool. Well, man, I appreciate you coming on. Um, I fly out in a couple of days here for quite some time, so I should probably go get my uh, my poop in a pile and uh, make sure okay. everything's loaded up and ready to go. So, But I appreciate you coming on. Absolutely. It was always a pleasure, Aaron. Anytime. Cool. All right, everybody, make sure to check out Evolution Outdoors and uh, definitely check out the uh, broadheads and the release.